Once inside, Fiona turned around and looked up. Standing there was a man six foot tall with fair hair. She said hello to him, but he didn't respond. Fiona started to back off, away from the man and towards the corner of the stable, presumably to put some distance between the two of them. Moments later, the man drew a knife out and unleashed a savage attack on her. This is Red Rum, episode 61, Fiona Southall. With many thanks to our guest writer for his help with this episode. Not far from the port city of Hull in East Yorkshire sits the charming and characterful Aram Hall in Seaton. Fiona Southall lived there with her brother, who worked as a farmer, and her elderly mother. Fiona stood at 5 foot 5 inches and weighed around 7 stone. Her petite build had helped her in her former work as a competition horse rider, and she had soon moved into training other keen students as a freelance horse riding instructor. Fiona was almost 60 years old and would spend her days out in the fields training up her students. Fiona devoted her whole life to horses, calling them the greatest love of her life. She even painted commissioned pictures, using her years of experience with the animals to make them as realistic as possible. She was also a member of the Hauntsey Art Society and had been exhibiting her artistic works for about 10 years. In 2016, Fiona had gained a job working at Grange Farm. It made complete sense that she'd work in caring for the three horses that were living in the stables attached to the main farmhouse. One warm, breezy morning in mid-July, at around 9am, Fiona was putting the horses out in the field. After bringing one of the horses out, she turned around and went back into one of the stables. Once inside, she turned around and looked up. Standing there was a man, six foot two and fair-haired. She said hello to him, but he didn't respond. It's not entirely clear why, But with this, Fiona started to back off, away from the man and towards the corner of the stable. Presumably, it was to put some distance between the two of them. It was no use though, as the man in front of her closed the space between the two of them and backed even further into the corner and away from the stable doors. Moments later, the man drew a knife out and unleashed a savage attack on her. He began stabbing her over and over, again and again. Fiona tried to defend herself with her arms, but she wasn't able to stop the knife as he plunged it into her. Eventually, after repeated stabbings, Fiona slumped onto the straw. The man wasn't finished yet. He was going to make sure that he did a thorough job. He started to stab Fiona again, in the groin, in the head, into her face, in her neck, and then back into her torso. He stabbed her at least 19 times. The stable's floor, scattered with straw, was now covered in blood. The walls, the man's shoes and clothes, and Fiona's limp body were also covered with blood. The man, seeing that Fiona was lying still and most certainly dead, turned away from her and picked up a children's vest that happened to be lying on the floor nearby. He used the vest to wipe the knife clean and then discarded the vest on the floor. 
The man then left the stable and walked the short distance back to his home. Meanwhile, as the morning turned to afternoon, Fiona's brother Samuel had begun to grow concerned. It was getting late, much later than Fiona's normal home time. She'd missed her meal and it was extremely out of character for her to do so without letting her brother know. Samuel decided to go to the farm to see if he could find her. He arrived at the farm and started to check the barn and stables. As he turned into one, he saw a figure lying on their back, disfigured by stab wounds and covered in blood. He could tell immediately it was his beloved sister, Fiona. Samuel immediately called the police, who arrived quickly and put a cordon up around the murder scene. Speed was of the essence if the murderer was to be caught, as the police expected that the person responsible would try to get out of the area as quickly as possible. What they didn't know was that the man in question had no such intention. They immediately issued a press and public statement. Quote, Fiona Southall's death is being treated as suspicious and a team of detectives from the major incident team and other departments are carrying out a large number of inquiries to establish how she died and identify those responsible. I would specifically like to speak to anyone using the old railway track between Hull and Hornsey between 7am and 7pm on Friday 15th of July who may have seen something suspicious or untoward. The track passes the farm and is well used by cyclists and walkers and I would urge people using the track to call us if they can help. Your information, no matter how small, could hold the key to establishing the circumstances of Fiona Southall's death. The community of nearby areas was scared and worried for their own safety. A local couple spoke to Yorkshire Post and said they were shocked to learn of the crime. Quote, it's such a shame how awful it is. This is such a family-oriented place and so peaceful. I am really shocked. It is a really nice part of the world. On top of that, tributes poured in on Facebook. Quote, Fiona was a caring person who would not harm a fly. An excellent horse trainer and instructor. We will miss her. I can't believe that anyone could harm her. May she find peace with all her beloved horses. The police did try to reassure the local community. Detective Chief Inspector Tony Cockerill, who was leading the investigation, said, quote, The major incident team is continuing the investigation of Fiona Southall's murder, and detectives are continuing to piece together how she died. It is important to reiterate that murders are extremely rare, and crime in general remains very low in countryside settings, so I would urge people not to be fearful. Meanwhile, the crime scene was cleared of evidence and cleaned up. The owners of Grange Farm mourned the loss of Fiona and worried about what the future might hold for them, seeing as there wasn't a suspect at this point and the murderer could come back at any time. But the very day after the murder, the owners of Grange Farm received a visit they found extremely unsettling. The man they previously employed, Daniel Edwards, had walked to Grange Farm that morning and knocked on their door. One of the owners had answered and to his astonishment, been faced with Daniel asking, now Fiona was dead, could he have his old job back? The owner immediately reported this to police who decided they needed to find out more information about this man. It quickly became apparent that the 21-year-old, six-foot-tall Daniel Edwards was known as a loner. He was found to have an IQ of 69. 
Generally, most people have an IQ of between 85 and 115. Anything under 70 is considered below average and labelled as, quote, borderline impaired. His IQ of 69 is indicative of learning difficulties and meant that 98% of Daniel's peers would achieve higher scores in a similar sort of IQ test. In 2012, Daniel was cautioned for assault. And then again in 2012 and in 2014, he was cautioned for indecent exposure. He went on to be convicted of being drunk and disorderly. Daniel's home life was rocky and he was forced to leave his family home after he started exhibiting strange behaviour. He ended up moving to a guest house where he became even more of a recluse and socially kept himself to himself. This behaviour manifested itself in a number of ways that made people around him feel he was trouble. One morning, Daniel's landlord got a phone bill for £200. It quickly became clear that one of the tenants had been using sex chat lines where you'd call a number to speak to one of the women on the other end. These calls were expensive and often. It wasn't long before the landlord identified it was Daniel who had been making the calls and he was told he needed to leave the guesthouse accommodation immediately. After that, in the spring of 2016, Daniel got himself a job at nearby Grange Farm. Part of his job involved looking after three horses who were living in the attached stables. His employers began to grow concerned, however, as they noticed that Daniel wasn't actually very good at his job, and it could put the horse's health and safety at risk. On top of that, Daniel was constantly late, or sometimes just wouldn't turn up to care for the horses. The owners of the three horses knew that they needed to get rid of Daniel, but even though he wasn't doing his job well, or sometimes at all, they did feel bad about getting rid of him. They knew he wanted to keep the job, and it would definitely be a difficult conversation. They were concerned about upsetting Daniel, and went about this dismissal gently, trying not to hurt his feelings. But Daniel kicked up a fuss, demanding to know how the horses would be looked after if he wasn't there. So, the owners explained that before firing him, they had found an appropriate replacement. And that a woman called Fiona would be coming in to look after the horses in the future. Outwardly, Daniel pretended that he was not bothered about losing his job at the stables. But privately, he was devastated. Despite the challenges Daniel's behaviour caused for anyone employing him, he still loved those horses and did the best he could to look after them. Gradually, Daniel's resentment against Fiona grew and he started to put messages on Facebook and tell his friends about how he felt. He wrote, quote, People push you to your limits, but when you finally explode and fight back, you are the mean one. As his resentment grew, he continued to post, quote, when anger enters the mind, wisdom departs. And a week later, one day I'm just gonna say fuck it all and let my demons out to play. On the 14th of July, 2016, he sent a message to a friend saying, I feel like I'm going to have a breakdown. And a little later, he showed a picture of a woman being thrown off a ferry with the caption, by C word. Daniel had managed to quickly find another job on a neighboring farm close by, but his resentment remained. He did not like his new job as much as he did his work with the horses at Grange Farm. He couldn't understand why they had dismissed him and brought in someone else. A complete stranger, as he saw it, 
to work with the horses he had built up such a special relationship with. Daniel came to the conclusion that the only way he could get his job back was to do something dramatic, unalterable and drastic. The warped decision that he came to was that he would have to kill Fiona. Then they'd have no one to look after the horses and they'd have to ask him to come back. He armed himself with a six inch kitchen knife and went to work as normal on the 15th of July, 2016. At first, he carried on working as usual and then at about 9.30, he decided now was the time. He left Max's home farm where he was working and walked the short distance along the old railway track between Hull and Hornsey to Grange Farm, where Fiona was putting the horses out in the field. CCTV footage tracks him passing a camera that was monitoring the front of a residential property en route to the farm. As Daniel arrived at the farm, Fiona, who was in one of the stables, looked up, surprised to see him, and said, Hello. That was when he brought the kitchen knife out and charged towards her. He unleashed the savage attack, stabbing her multiple times. Fiona had tried to defend herself, as was apparent by the defensive wounds to her hands and arms, but she wasn't able to stop the fatal blows. Eventually, after repeated stabbings, Fiona slumped onto the straw. As we know, Daniel wasn't finished there. He continued stabbing her again and again, a total of 19 times. He then wiped the knife clean on the child's vest he found and left the barn. Daniel walked the mile home, throwing the knife into a hedge on his way. He then got his phone out and typed, quote, Many people say I've changed, but the truth is I've found myself. They say we learn from our mistakes. That's why I'm deliberately making as many as possible. Soon I'll be a genius. As the day went on, he began a string of posts on Facebook, not caring that the police would see them. One stated, quote, Trusting people has made me the asshole I am today. I've been fighting my demons so many years, I'm beginning to think I should call a truce. Within a few hours of the murder, Daniel had told his stepmother that he expected to get his old job back at Grange Farm, but as time went on, he started to feel sorry for himself and at 5.55 posted, quote, I push people away when all I really want is someone to hug me and tell me it's okay. The following day, he made his way back to Grange Farm and that's when he asked his old employer for his job back, now that Fiona was dead. The police checked the CCTV from nearby Grange Farm and found footage of Daniel walking calmly past a residential house just minutes after he stabbed Fiona to death. On top of this, after the police's appeal for information from the public, a passerby had come forward and described seeing an individual matching Daniel's description at the farm on the same date and at the same time as the murder. The police travelled to Daniel's address in King Street, Hornsey, where they arrested him on suspicion of murder and searched his bedroom. He immediately denied any involvement. He told the officers that he hadn't visited Grange Farm and didn't know anything about Fiona's murder. He hadn't done it and he didn't know why the police thought he had. But the police had gathered a huge amount of evidence that put Daniel as the only person who could have done it. This included the witness that had seen him shortly before the murder, 
the CCTV footage of him walking away from the farm shortly after the time of the murder, the blood found on areas of his clothing and ankle suggested he was near Fiona as she lay alive and bleeding from her injuries and were matched through DNA. Signals from Daniel's mobile phone pinpointing his location at the time of the murder, the blood on the kitchen knife that was found in a hedgerow near the farm, the blood-stained child's vest used to wipe the knife clean, and the blood-stained child's vest used to wipe the knife clean. Police charged Daniel Edwards with murder. All this evidence was used by the prosecution to prove what they described as a vicious, protracted attack. Daniel Edwards seems nonchalant, and you may think in the witness box he seemed cold and lacking in emotion. However, we have been allowed into the darker recesses of his mind. We find a young man who was in fact in emotional turmoil, with anger and resentment, bitterness, and feelings of abandonment and loss just below the surface. He let his demons out to play and took out his anger and frustration on an innocent woman who had done him no harm. Most well-balanced individuals who lose their jobs wouldn't then resort to violence against the person taking over their job, but there it is. It became clear that Daniel had tried to cover up what he did when he got rid of the murder weapon and had initially and continuously lied in police interviews and at the trial. The court heard how Fiona was about to start a new chapter in her life, moved down south with friends who were buying a property with equestrian facilities and, unbeknown to her, an artist studio of her own. The trial at Hull Crown Court lasted 10 days and a jury of 11 women and one man took less than three hours to find Daniel Edwards guilty of murder. Daniel sat rolling his tongue around his mouth and wept, staring at his father in the public gallery as the guilty verdict was announced while his stepmother stormed out of the court. Defence barrister Timothy Roberts QC said a life sentence had been passed for Daniel Edwards and his remarks only went to say the length of minimum sentence that should be passed. Then Fiona's family watched as Judge Jeremy Richardson QC told Daniel, It is plain to me that you were so angry and resentful that you hatched a plan to kill Fiona Southall. You planned to kill her by stabbing her to death. You executed that plan with ferocious determination and brutality. Your attack upon Fiona Southall was merciless and savage. She was stabbed many times about her head, neck, and body. You exerted considerable force to inflict such repeated, penetrating savagery upon that poor woman, who was described by her brother and sister as gentle and kind. To use the language of the Facebook posting you later shared, you let out the demons within you. There is within you a deep-rooted and ingrained level of cunning and deceit. He said that the family of Fiona Southall had conducted themselves with dignity and the statement they had read to him showed they had suffered immensely. Quote, There are no words from me that can reflect the horror and suffering they have to bear knowing their loved one had died in terrible circumstances. Daniel Edwards was sentenced to life with a minimum of 24 years. The judge said the term would have been longer, but his learning difficulties had been taken into account. Quote, You are likely to remain a very considerable danger to society. I cannot envisage a time when it will ever be safe to release you. Following sentencing, 
Detective Chief Inspector Tony Cockerill, Senior Investigating Officer, described the attack as cowardly, adding that Fiona never stood a chance. Quote, It was a sustained, extremely vicious attack with an extreme level of violence, and to consider how long it takes to cause that number of injuries is a disturbing thought. He went on to say Fiona's family described her as kind, hardworking, and totally honest. The court heard a moving statement from Fiona's older sister, Sharon, who says when she rides on her sister's horse, Bertie, past the churchyard, where the gifted horsewoman, artist, and poet was laid to rest, she tells her she is doing her best. She said, Many years ago, I promised her that if she died before the horses, I would look after them. I have thrown myself into the physical work, and it has helped me to not think so hard about the dreadful, heinous way she died. She told the jury, No one on God's earth had a bad word to say about Fiona. She was kind, honest, humorous and quirky, and my only sister. Samuel said, quote, She would never hurt a fly. There are no words to describe the unfairness of this tragedy, 